Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. So we are studying, if you haven't been with us, the Gospel of Luke. We're working our way through there. Um, we're in chapter 6 today. When we, when we last checked in on Jesus, you remember he had gone up on a mountain to pray. And he, he had spent the whole night in prayer. And then, he, and then after praying all night, he gathered some of his disciples together. And he chose 12 of them that he designated as apostles. And so uh, we'll see as we continue that while Jesus continues to minister to uh, large groups of people, he now begins to focus some extra attention on these 12. And their role really changes. And to me, it's, it's indicative of our Christian experience. They started off as followers of Jesus. They were part of the crowd that uh, came to hear him and see what he had to say and kind of check him out. Uh, but then they, they took another step, and then Jesus acknowledged that step. And so now they're partnering with him in ministry. They're no longer observers, but they're participate, participants. And uh, we have a saying around here that Christianity is not a spectator sport. And that's really how our process goes, too. We all start with an inquiry. We want to know what, what's up with this Jesus guy? What's that about? And then somewhere along the line, we say, yeah, you know, I want to, I want to follow after him. And then somewhere along that process, we say, you know what, now I realize that I'm actually going to partner with him in ministry rather than just be an observer. So that's sort of what's happening with these guys. Um, today, we're going to continue the next section. This is, I will tell you up front, a, a little bit of a difficult passage it's uh, a little bit hard to understand, and I think that it is very often misinterpreted. And so the misinterpretation that is often given can be confusing, and I think it can be actually detrimental to our growth in some ways, and you'll see that as we go. Um, but uh, I want to try to do my best, pray for me, to bring clarity to it and bring some understanding to us. So uh, our title this morning is Bless This Mess. There you go. You may see that sign uh, in somebody's kitchen or their house or something, but I think it's a uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fitting description of the people of God as well sometimes, huh? Bless this mess. Let's pray. Jesus, open your word. Uh, Lord, allow your word to enrich our hearts and to strengthen us and deepen our understanding of who you are and how you work. Uh, that we too might engage like these 12 in your kingdom ministry. In your name we pray, amen. All right, there's two sections to this passage. The first one is kind of uh, contextual. It's sort of setting the scene, but let's, let's go ahead and look at that first. Verse 17, 617, he went down with them. Jesus went up, now he goes down, and he stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming out 
from him and healing them all. All right, so uh, there are really three groups of people with Jesus here, kind of uh, concentric circles, if you will. There's this group of 12. It doesn't specify that, but I'm, I'm going to guess that they are, they are in close proximity to him. They're sitting uh, close enough that they can really observe and watch and hear and, and, and really take in everything that's happening. Second is the disciples. So there's a larger group of people who we talked about a minute ago. They've made some level of commitment. Some may be further along than others, but they've said, we like what we've heard. We like what we've seen. We're going to follow this guy. The third group is really just a bunch of randos. There's just people that have showed up. And the people, I think, in this camp are in two categories. The first category are what we might call looky-loos. They're there to check it out. They kind of want to see what's going on. They're, they're a little curious. Uh, I think there's, a, you know, something might happen here today, and if it does, I want to post it. And, and that's sort of the mentality of that group. But there's a second group here this day, uh, and, and that group is comprised of people in pain. And they're there not to check it out at all. They're there because they want to get well. When you're sick and when you're in pain, there's really only one thing you think about, isn't there? You can try to think about other things, but it doesn't work because all you really want is to get better. And so these folks have come because they see Jesus as a possible point of relief. I've heard that maybe this guy can make me better. So altogether, between the disciples, the looky-loos, and the broken people, it's a big crowd. You can kind of picture Jesus. It's a, out in the hillside, maybe a level area there. It's grassy. Um, people are gathered around, and I'm sure, you know, I picture it a little bit like a concert setting or something. They're just kind of spread out, pressed in close. Um, he's been in prayer. He's prayed all night. Now he's got his 12 apostles with him. And this group gathers and Jesus literally explodes with power. It says power was coming out from him. And I don't know if people could see the power or if they could feel the power. Um, I've had experiences a little bit like that. When we were younger, there's a guy named Lonnie Frisbee that preached at our church, and it was an interesting thing because uh, he was kind of had been kind of disenfranchised from the body of Christ and showed up at our church on a Sunday morning. He was just sitting in the congregation, and the Lord spoke to our pastor John and said, "I want you to ask that young man to preach tonight," which is very unusual. John rarely ever shared the pulpit, and I don't think ever with someone that he didn't really know very well, but he obeyed what he felt God was saying, and he asked Lonnie to preach, and so that night we were gathered, and I don't remember the size of the church at the time, but it was probably at least, you know, 1,500, 1,800 people, so he got up, and to be honest, you know, he was a, he, he was a loony bin, and it was funny, but... His message was kind of scattered. It was fragmented. It didn't make a ton of sense. You're kind of trying to follow him, and you're really going, what, what's this guy all about? 
And then at the end of the message, he said, now I would like everybody under the age of 30 to come forward. Well, the church was pretty young and probably I would say uh, 70%, maybe 75% of the congregation was under 30. So hundreds of people come forward for ministry. And he says, now come Holy Spirit. And chaos erupted in the room. And people started to fall down, and people were crying, and people were shaking, and uh, it was unbelievable, really, on one level, to watch it happen. But there was clearly power, and I think people felt power. There was somebody I know who was there that night who was not a Christian, and who in conversation later said, I don't know what there was about that guy, but he had some power. That was their description. So that's what I picture here happening. Jesus comes down off the mountain. He's been praying. He's got his team with him, and power just comes out. And demons are being expelled, and people that are sick are being healed. And it might have been a little bit messy. And that's how the kingdom of God is sometimes. My title today is Bless This Mess, because sometimes we're a mess, and sometimes God makes a mess. I don't think he cares about You know, everything being neat and tidy all the time. Jesus um, had said what he was going to do back in chapter 4. You remember he said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He's anointed me to heal the sick and to cast out demons. And uh, now he is doing what he said he came to do. It's kind of like show and tell, proclamation and demonstration. He said, this is what I'm going to do, and now I'm going to do it. And he did it. So he has a plan. He's working his plan. He's doing what he came to do. And here's the thing for us. And and I really believe uh, this week as I prayed about the message that uh, God wanted me to say that, you know, God's plan hasn't changed. He's still here to do the things he came to do. He's still here to set the captives free. He's still here to release oppressed people. He's still here to break down walls and barriers that exist in our lives between the peace and the presence of God and where we are today. He's still here to heal those that are sick, and I think he wants to do that today. I don't know the condition of everybody here this morning, but I'm sure that somebody here has a headache or something, and I think God wants to heal us. Go ahead and go to the next passage. Let's talk about what Jesus has to say. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Next one. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Okay, go ahead. But woe to you who are rich for you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now for you will mourn and weep and one more. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. This is a, uh, a common approach for Jesus. Very often, he would address his disciples. So there's this big group, but he's looking at his disciples. He's just talking to them, but he's aware as he's talking to them that everybody else can hear him. So he's, he's giving them instructions, but he's also uh, telling everybody what he's really about. He's presenting the kingdom of God. Um, he delivers this message that was different than what they had heard before. In fact, it, 
it was exactly the opposite of everything they thought and believed to be true. He says, blessed are you if you're poor. Well, nobody ever said that. Whoever said, oh gosh, I'm so blessed. I'm poor. Oh, I'm hungry. Yay. Oh, I'm so happy today because I'm sad. It doesn't make any sense what Jesus is saying. And, and look, look, it doesn't matter when in history you live, whether you were in the first century then or whether you're here today, it doesn't matter what cultural context you're in, what part of the world you live in. Uh, poverty is not welcome. It, it's seen almost almost universally as a sign of failure. It might not be your personal failure. It might be the failure of your family or your friends. It might be the failure of your company or it might be the failure of your government or some structure that's beyond you. But ultimately, if poverty exists, something went wrong. Nobody looks at that and says, what a blessing. Poverty is hard, okay? Poverty is really hard because when you're in poverty, you don't have the resource you need to take care of the things you need to take care of to just get through basic life. You, you can't feed your family. You can't pay your bills. You can't do the things you need to do just to live. It's not generally considered a blessing to be hungry. Sometimes, you know, you work real hard one day and you miss lunch or something and by dinner time you're hangry. You're upset. So people that are hungry, truly hungry, that haven't eaten in days, that's not a blessing. And I think the way that Jesus describes the woes here, the same thing is true of those. They don't make sense. No one says, oh, man, I won the lottery, 25 million bucks. Whoa, what a bummer. No one ever said that. We equate wealth with blessing, and we equate poverty with loss. And there is a scriptural basis for that. Look at 2 Corinthians 9 for a second. God is able to bless you abundantly. How much? Very good. You guys are good. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. He's talking about being generous here, but what he's saying is God wants you to be generous, but to be generous, God wants to give you things to be generous with. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour it out on you. He wants to give you a lot. So what do we do with what Jesus is saying here today? How, how do we make sense of this passage? Okay, there are two hermeneutical principles which I believe will help us to understand the text. So we will do a, a small study in biblical interpretation. First thing, if you want to go to the next slide, Thomas, this passage is descriptive, not prescriptive. What I mean by that is this, that it describes the reality of the kingdom of God. He's not telling us, not telling his audience what to do. He's not giving them instruction. He's not saying, you have to be poor to be blessed. You have to be hungry to be blessed. You have to be sad or hated to be blessed. He's not saying those things. He's not saying you can't be rich and follow after Jesus. You can't be well-fed or joyful and follow after Jesus. He's describing a reality of the kingdom of God. And we'll get to that reality in a minute. But first, the second principle is that 
This passage is eschatological, meaning that it deals with the breaking in of the kingdom of God from the future into the present. Go to the next slide. There's a little chart that I I drew up for you. The two vertical lines are the first and second coming of Christ, and the the space in between those is where we live. You'll see that the present evil age, kind of the age of darkness, comes from before Jesus, but it doesn't end. It goes up until he returns. But at the advent, the coming of Jesus, the kingdom of light moves forward, and the kingdom come, the time in which all the darkness ends and the light rules, is breaking into the present today. And that's what this passage is describing. What Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of God has come to you even if you're poor. Even if you're hungry, God's presence and kingdom and power can come to you. Even if you're sad and mourning, even if you're persecuted, I can still come into your life and touch you. The misunderstanding of the text that says it's blessed, it's good to be poor, it's good to be hungry, it's good to be sad, uh, likewise bad to be rich, uh, you know, that that's not what Jesus is trying to say here, but that's so often what people say about this text, and it, and it produces guilt and anxiety rather than bringing peace. It's, it's absurd to think that you can't be rich and follow after Jesus. All of us have probably at some point, and I've known several really, really wealthy people who are incredible saints, who followed after God and who were generous and, and gracious in, in what they did and how they gave. And they gave abundantly to those in need and to causes and launch ministries. It would be impossible to say, woe to you. Jesus is talking to a huge group of people. Among that group of people, uh, there's a lot of diversity. There's some people that have just been healed. You don't think they all just went, got healed and went home, do you? No, I'm going to stick around. I want to hear more. There was also in that crowd of people, I'm sure, those who were poor. And they probably didn't feel very blessed at that moment, but Jesus is saying, you're blessed even if you're poor. There was probably people who were hungry there. There was certainly people who were mourning and sad, People who had experienced loss and grief, maybe, you know, it's a big group of people, probably people that have experienced tremendous grief, unfathomable grief, sadness, the loss of a family member, the loss of a child who had been abused and neglected, people who had, who had been looked down upon and victimized. Sometimes the weight of life is overwhelming, and Jesus looks at the crowd, he says, blessed are you. Life is full of pain, it's full of brokenness. And what Jesus has demonstrated and what he's saying here is my kingdom can come to you even in the midst of your pain and your brokenness. Your poverty is no match for the kingdom of God. Your pain is no match for the kingdom of God. The sadness in your life, the the mourning and the grief and the loss is no match for the kingdom of God. In... um, Matthew's version of this, and it's, uh, it's debatable. Different commentators think different things, whether it's a different version of the same sermon or a completely different sermon. But Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke just says, blessed are the poor. And um, so, you know, what does he really mean here? But the reality is this. 
Either way, the outcome is the same. Whether he's talking about being spiritually broken or actually poor, the truth is that neither one is a match for the kingdom of God. That the presence of power of God can heal your spiritual brokenness and it can heal your poverty. doesn't matter what condition you come to Jesus in, the, the outcome is the same. He touched me. He loves me. He cares about me. He knows who I am. Jesus isn't saying that it's good to be poor or sad or hungry. He's saying that there is no condition outside the reach of my kingdom. Even the most hopeless condition in this life and in this world that seems beyond hope and beyond reach can find hope and help and healing in me. The uh, Beatitudes, as they're sometimes called, are in effect really kingdom proclamations. They're saying that God can come in the midst of this. They are descriptive, not prescriptive. He's not saying you have to do these things to enter the kingdom. He's saying even if that's the condition you're in, you can enter into the kingdom. There, there's no, there is no human condition that's beyond the reach of the presence of God. That's what Jesus is saying. There's no human condition beyond the reach of God. You always have hope in me. You can be poor and be blessed. You can be hungry and be blessed. You, you can mourn and weep. You can be sad and be blessed. The kingdom rule of God is greater than the circumstances of our lives, regardless of what those circumstances might be. I want to um, contemporize this a, a, a little bit. Most of us uh, here are not poor. Um, by global standards, you know, we're in the upper echelon. And even though you may not feel like it, the reality is we are. It's not always good to, to do that, you know, globally, because we don't live in the whole world, we live here. So even by localized standards, most of us are not poor. We have a home. We have a place to go. We may not have everything we want or need, and it may be tight at the end of the month, and we might have to shuffle some things around. But at the end of the day, we're, we have a place. We have the basic needs of life. We aren't hungry. We, we know where to get food and how to get food. Um, some of us might be sad. I think that's one that's a little more universal. Um, some of us have experienced grief and loss and have some measure of pain and anguish in our hearts over things of the past. Um, persecution, Christians around the world are persecuted for their faith every day, exactly what Jesus describes happened, but we don't experience that here in this country. We have a tremendous amount of religious freedom. The, the, the mere fact that we can be here and worship today, that we can put signs up outside and nobody's going to come and stop us from doing this indicates that we have religious freedom. There are, I watched a video recently. Some friends of mine work with Vineyard Missions in parts of the world where it's illegal to be a Christian. 
And the video showed, you know, there's a guy's cell phone, they're in their car and they're driving, how they have to get to where they go to meet and what these people have to do to get together to worship. And they have to go down these roads and kind of one at a time at different times go into this building. So some people are waiting for a long time because they can't all go in at once. They gather together in this little dark room and they worship. They want to come together and worship, but they have to go to tremendous lengths to do that. We don't have to do that. So, what does it mean to us? What, how, how do we make this work? I, there's a few things I think about. One is just sort of our cultural standards, our societal standards. You know, if you're... Society tells us today, it's in marketing and advertising, it's all over the place. If you're not one of the beautiful people, you really don't count. If you don't have the perfect hair, rock hard abs, buns of steel, you're, you, you don't add up. You're, you're not there. You're lower than, less than. So my question is, what does the kingdom of God have to say about that? You remember uh, last week we talked about John's vision and revelation of the throne of God. And he says, gathered around the throne worshiping will be people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. I would say this, there will also be people of every size and shape. There will be fat people and bald people and ugly people. People with crooked teeth, people with B.O. They'll all be there, like it or not. They're all going to be there worshiping God. There's no discrimination. Jesus says, you're welcome. Come on in. Blessed are you. Not because you deserve it, not because you earned it. You didn't do anything. You know why you're blessed? Because God wanted to bless you. That's why. End of the day, why are we blessed? Did we ask for it? It doesn't matter if you ask for it or not. God says, you know what? I want to bless you. That's why. I want to bless my people. And that that brings us to the uh, next thing, which maybe is a little harder to swallow for us, and that is that the blessing of God is indiscriminate. There's a great crowd of people. There's sick and there's lonely and there's hungry people, but I think there's probably also some not very nice people in the group. People who have been ostracized and pushed out of society. In some circles today, if you're divorced, you're out. If you're gay, if you're HIV positive, you're out. Maybe if you've been immoral in some other way, if you're, uh, if you're a single parent, you're out. There's also those people that most of us would say are out. People that live bad lives, that do bad things. People that traffic in drugs, people that break the law, People that, that do bad, bad things and live bad, bad lives. Things that we can't endorse and that we probably can't even imagine. And Jesus says, you too are welcome. You are not beyond the reach of my blessing. And you know, I'll be honest. Let's just tell the truth today. I don't like that. I wish God would say no. You know what? You have messed up one time too many and you're done. That's what I wish God would say sometimes. 
I get tired of these people. But I'm not God. And I don't get to make that call. And God never says that. He said, blessed are you. And you are not beyond the ability of my grace and my blessing to reach you now or ever. What was the biggest criticism of Jesus? Well, he eats with sinners. He hangs out with those people. That's what he does. In 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us a list of people who he says cannot enter the kingdom of God if you would go to that for me. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So there. And next verse. And that's what some of you were. That's where you came from. But what happened to you? You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. I saved you. Blessed are the poor, the hungry. Blessed are the sad. Blessed are those that mourn because the kingdom of God is available to them all. Doesn't matter who you are. And I'll close with this if you guys want to come back up. The woes, what about the woes? Whoa, whoa. The woes are warnings. That's what they are. The woes are simply warnings. Jesus isn't saying if you're rich or you're well-fed or you're happy or you're well-adjusted or you have it all together or if you're one of the beautiful people or if you're popular that you can't come into the kingdom of God. All he's saying is there's a danger in those things because you have a, there's a higher propensity to begin to love the blessing more than the blesser, to seek the blessing more than the blesser. And seek after me, don't seek after the things. John says it this way, last verse, 1 John chapter 2. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world's desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Life isn't in those things. Life is in the giver of life. That's where you find life. Seek first the kingdom of God's God's kingdom and his righteousness, and you too will be blessed. So we want to open our lives up to God. We want to be able to receive what he has for us, as was said earlier today, and then we want to live that out. We want to be generous and gracious and give that and extend that to us. Why don't we stand? I'm going to, um, as our worship team leads us in worship, I'm going to ask our ministry team to go ahead and make their way to the sides of the room right now. And I just want to encourage you this morning, don't pass up the opportunity you have for prayer today. The kingdom of God is for you too. It really is. It doesn't matter who you are or what condition you come here in today. It's for you. It's good. It's real. It's rich. It's there. So if you're sick, come and get prayer. If you're lonely, if you're sad, if you're hungry, come and get prayer. 
If you're, if you're spiritually hungry, come and get prayer. Come and see somebody and have them pray with you this morning. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.